0: you are gonna go broke showing turkeys like these it's turkey time come on. over here we spot some south american gazelles this gazelle is eating a flower this lion is eating the gazelle but he'll probably spit out the flower this is it
1: our entire voiceover for our show on
0: bears is written on a cocktail napkin yeah we wrote it last night at pj mahoney's that's great bears drive their name from a football team in chicago no wrong it is estimated that bears kill over two million salmon a year attacks by salmon on bears are much more rare all right that's got to be true right all right let's go with that one this is strange wilderness we have sound speed now no matter how many sea lions are eaten each year by sharks it never seems like enough The show sucks Two weeks from now, the show is cancelled
1: We're not cancelled yet Hey Junior, how about you? Fresh blood, you got any ideas? Yoo-hoo! No! Sorry Dude, what is on your eyes? Oh, oh man I got
0: these tattoos on my eyelids To make it look like when I was sleeping That people would think that I was awake That's Bigfoot I know where he's hiding. This is exactly what we needed.
1: <laughs> sharks can only be found in two places on Earth, the Northern and Southern Hemispheres. These sharks are attacking Nicole Richie. Yes, the shark is a... What the... Hell, look at that thing's teeth. Strange Wilderness. welcome everybody to another episode of let's talk turkeys i'm your host movie miss and i'm being joined this week by my co-host drive-in dave hello sir
0: hello
1: Are you psyched about this week's episode? I think you are.
0: Uh, I am pretty psyched. This is a, I want to say childhood favorite, but to be honest, I probably saw this in my 20s. Um, But, (laughs) you know. It's, I I do remember this movie very fondly. Uh, It's got one particular scene we will get to that still cracks me up.
1: All right. Well, we are discussing 2008's Strange Wilderness. And for people who are not familiar with this, it's because it flew under the radar. I came across it on home video like DVD a couple years after its release when it was doing the rounds and, and people I knew like this kind of humor and they're like you've got to watch this movie and then ever since then I had owned it on DVD but never watched it then I cleared my collection out and then here we are a few more years later and I bought it again <laughs> on DVD because I remembered really thinking it was hilarious and now watching it again after all these years it was six bucks for the DVD so that's fine it was worth it I can see myself re watching this. Um, Is it my favorite kind of comedy? Not really. Um, It's a Happy Madison production. So it's, you know, Adam Sandler's people and it's in the vein. It's got some of his favorite people to work with in it. There are parts that are hysterical to me. And then there are parts where I just shake my head and go, why did I buy this?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've come recently I've come to enjoy Adam Sandler to a point where I feel judged for admitting that I enjoy Adam Sandler this much. So he's become a
1: guilty pleasure. <laughs> he
0: really has. I, I it, And it's his movies are stupid fun. And that's what I enjoy about them. This is not at the top of the list for Happy Madison Productions for me. Uh, I enjoy it. I can watch it every now and then because I know there's certain parts in this movie that just crack me up. And then there's parts where I will admit I was probably messing around on my phone or on the computer because it was like, okay, this, this is just not that great.
1: <laughs> well, the other upside to it having a great cast is uh which which is what keeps it funny for me in a lot of parts is it's a tight 87 minutes. It's what you want in your silly comedy. It's not too long. There isn't too much content. It's just pretty much a mindless, silly ride.
0: Uh yeah, the shortness really does help because I forgot how short it was. Before I knew it, it was over. I can't say like when it ended, I was sad. I was like, oh I want more movie. <laughs> uh and that's that's hilarious coming from a movie, like i'm i'm the one who wanted to, to do this one because like oh i picked it up at a thrift store i was like oh i really remember this i love this movie yeah and then i watched it it's like okay i really remember this I, <laughs> I i like this movie
1: so it has a rotten tomatoes critic score of two percent and there were several reviews on there so this was 2% total and then 35 for audiences so it is a turkey for sure
0: that kind of makes sense to me i mean this is i don't recall ever seeing an adam sandler produced or you know, movie that he's in where people, the critics have raved about it. But the fans, that actually doesn't surprise me either because this one, it it feels like a hit and miss. It it really does.
1: So it was actually filmed. It was released in 2008. It was filmed in 2005. They had a little bit of issue getting it released. I don't know why. Filmed in Southern California, uh, LA County Arboretum for all the jungle shots (laughs) when they're supposed to be in South America. And I knew that going in because I did my research first. And if you really pay attention to like the background, you can kind of tell in a lot of the scenes.
0: It does not feel like they're in a real jungle at all. I mean, yeah, I looked at some of the, the the goofs and stuff, and there's things that I missed that I want to go back to look at now and be like, okay, now I see it.
1: Well, they were given a budget of twenty million, but it only did six point nine at the box office. It was not well received, which we've already discussed. Directed by Fred Wolf, which is also a character's name in the movie, along with. Pete, whatever his last name is, Peter, what uh, something with a G, I want to say, is also involved in the production on the film. So they took character names right from the people making the movie, which I thought was funny as well. I want
0: to say that guy, I don't recall him ever doing like much except for playing this kind of stupid character that he plays in the movie.
1: Okay, yeah. Fred Wolf is Alan Covert. And he was the star of Grandma's Boy. Yes. And quite a few other Adam Sandler movies. He's in The Wedding Sing. He's in all the Adam Sandler stuff. And then Peter Gulke is the writer. Fred Wolf and Peter Gulke wrote it together. Uh Fred Wolf. Writer for, SNL's for SNL for a few years in the 90s. He also wrote Tommy Boy, Dirty Work, Joe Dirt, Black Sheep, and Grown Ups 1 and 2. So this is Fred Wolf's bag for writing, but he directed this one.
0: And You could tell he's definitely a better writer than he is director because everything you rattled off right there, I remember really enjoying those movies and I would definitely put those way above this one.
1: So top cast, we have Steve Zahn, Alan Covert, Justin Long, Jonah Hill, Kevin Heffernan, and Ashley Scott. And I just want to mention, uh, Steve Zahn, a lot of people know him. Saving Silverman is the one that pops in my mind the most, or he was in Joyride for horror fans. Um, Big, big, big comedy actor. Alan Covert, again, like I said, grandma's boy, big Adam Sandler guy. Justin Long, everybody knows Justin Long. Um, Barbarian, most recent. uh, Jeepers Creepers. Jonah Hill, big comedy, super bad back in the day, put him on the map? Uh,
0: I- I'm going to say comedy. I'm not going to say big comedy. I can't say I'm a Jonah Hill fan.
1: <laughs> he is, yeah, love him or hate him for me. And I'm not a fan either. Um, he tends to be in comedies a lot. Uh, Kevin Heffernan, I, I want to mention, because he's part of the Broken Lizard crew. And I think they are a hysterical bunch of guys. They do the TV show Tacoma FD. They've done the movies um, Beer Fest, Super Troopers. You know, they've done so many. He's hilarious. I forgot he was in this. And then Ashley Scott, who just, this is not being rude. This is just what I thought when I saw her. I'm like, oh, generic Hollywood blonde. So I Uh, looked her up and I didn't recognize her from much... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I've, I've seen a couple of her films, but I didn't know I had seen them until I did the research. I looked them up. And to be honest with you, I always forget that it's Ashley Scott when I go in watching it. I'm like, oh, it's Amy Smart. I love her because they look so similar.
1: That's what I'm saying. Generic Hollywood blonde. I get them all confused. All right. So we can get to everybody else as we go. Um, I do want to throw in there uh, Peter Dante, of course, as as their friend Danny. And he goes by Dante a lot in the movies that he's in. But this in this one, he's Danny. Um imdb plot with the ratings dropping for a wilderness themed television show two animal fans go to the andes wait a minute yeah (laughs) drop (laughs) okay hold on i'm like wait a minute two animal fans it's a whole group of them but that's what it said okay two animal fans go to the andes mountains in search of bigfoot what's the first thing that pops in your mind when you like read hear that and read that
0: the first thing that pops to my mind is that this movie, which was written by stoners, probably directed by a stoner for stoners, was basically had the plot written by a stoner.
1: I, they had me a Bigfoot. I forgot what this was about. And I read Bigfoot and went, oh, shit, I'm in because, you know, I love cryptids. <laughs>
0: It's. I forgot about Bigfoot as well. I really did. Um. And when we get to Bigfoot, I will. I will explain why I forgot about him. Uh. But yeah, it's like even though that's like the main driving force of like what they're doing for this movie, uh, there's just so much crap that goes on in this movie. You forget that that that's the whole mission.
1: Well, then let's jump into the plot. Our movie opens with studio credits and title card over footage of an animal show host having a really tough time filming some of his TV spots with live animals causing problems for him. And it's almost like a blooper reel of stuff. It's really funny.
0: The animal footage in this is probably the main reason I watch this movie, because it is so freaking funny. And then there's, there's like some deleted scenes that happen that like, I'm like, why didn't you include these? Because these were so good.
1: Yeah, I love when you see, and it happens in real life too, like on news broadcasts, when people are standing in a petting zoo and the goat starts to eat their shirt or something. Like, that's so funny to me.
0: I love that stuff. That's like, you want to watch, I mean, YouTube is filled with funny animal
1: videos. So then we see a man who's actually watching this, talking on the phone. We learn that this man is watching his father who had a successful wilderness show called Strange Wilderness. So this is Steve Zahn. And in the movie, he's Peter Galky or Pete as everyone calls him. He tells the person on the phone that he took over the show when his father died and it went well at first, but then it all went to shit. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're treated to a time jump. We get a flashback of, you know, we're going to go back in time. <laughs> And see how it all went to shit, basically. So it's a day set in the woods somewhere. We meet the crew. We meet Jonah Hill's cooker. Ernest Borgnine is Milas, which is such a cool name.
0: Uh, And I love him. I I wish he would have been in this more because I actually really enjoy Ernest Borgnine.
1: (laughs) Alan Covert is Fred and Justin Long as Junior. We learn he's Ernest Borgnine's great nephew. So Pete, Steve Zahn, learns... That Justin Long is a ne'er-do-well pothead nephew, <laughs> not just the nephew, <laughs> because his bong keeps interrupting the shots they're trying to get by making too much noise. <laughs> and I'm not one for pot humor. I don't find drug or, or marijuana-related humor funny in any way. Like, I'm one of the few people on the planet that doesn't think half-baked is funny. Um, so I don't find this humor in this movie funny, which is maybe why I only find half the movie funny, because it is loaded with pot humor.
0: And it's, it's i i like pot humor i i do it could be funny but if it's too much uh and that to me goes with any style of humor i love perverted humor but if it's done to a point where it's just that's the entire movie you get bored with it this one i thought handled it pretty well
1: So like I said, Junior keeps interfering and interrupting. And then when they're just think they're going to get on track, a helicopter comes in overhead and ruins it. He yells over a loudspeaker down to everybody that they have to stop shooting and leave because they don't have a permit to shoot here. And Pete's going to get slapped with a $500 fine. (laughs) And I love, it's like guerrilla filmmaking. It's like they just run in somewhere and start shooting. like, forget the permits, forget all the legal stuff we have to do. I love
0: the, uh, my favorite part with that whole opening is him reading the notes on the bears. And it's like, the like when you hear the notes for the bears, the bears derive their name. The trivia. A, yeah, it's like, that's just like, like that's this kind of show that I would love to watch.
1: Yeah, so they have these ridiculous trivia facts. They didn't clearly do research on, on bears. We cut to the in-studio where he's recording his voiceover for the bear episode. And he does include the line in the show bears derived their name from a football team in chicago (laughs) and you're like what pretty sure it's not that way
0: (laughs) that one and the the uh, bear attacks on salmon i thought that was great with how like salmon attacks on bears are are, like much more rare and you're just like what the hell is like who's (laughs) writing these notes
1: yeah, that to me was hysterical, some of these ridiculous facts. I would watch this wildlife show not because I thought I was getting factual information, because I would laugh. It's hilarious. I'd be like, these people are idiots.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like in this movie, the reason their show is failing is because they're marketing it as actual like scientific research or like an educational program. It's like, no, if you market this as a comedy, this show is going to be primetime gold. <laughs>
1: Right. So Pete rushes out late for his meeting with the station guy at K PIP, the station that shows their program. Pete and Fred, their friend Danny, and that's Peter Dante, drives them in his truck over to the meeting. And during this ride, he's rambling just this crazy shit, this crazy story. And it's something that just happened to him the night before. And I don't remember, I didn't write down the exact story, but I like that while he's rambling, this is what had me cracking up while he's rambling this crazy nonsense and he's manic. You can see his face is all crazy. Some car swerves and honks at him. And without skipping a beat, he just goes, (laughs) he goes, I can't even say it without skipping a beat. He just goes, fuck you. You want (laughs) to fight?
0: I literally wrote down in the notes that I can imagine you doing this while driving
1: his window isn't down. He doesn't stop. He's just still driving and ranting. He's fuck you. You want to (laughs) fight? It's so stupid. (laughs) I don't know why that gets my funny bone, but it absolutely does. (laughs) Comedy subjective. Yeah. I don't know why that's so funny, but anyway. So inside at Pip now, Pete and Fred see rival wildlife show host, Sky Pearson, and that's Harry Hamlin. Boy, was I delighted to see him. He's really good to me at being a straight man delivering comedic lines. Like he's such a dick and so funny in this little confrontation.
0: He's like this great villain that you you love to hate him because it's like, it's funny, but it's also like, ooh, that guy's an asshole. I can't wait to see him get like what's coming to him. But you're just like, you're laughing the whole time while you're doing this.
1: And then the two guys with him that are kind of little assholes too. I'm not sure who the one guy is, but I did recognize Oliver Hudson. I was like, holy shit. So they're coming out of a meeting ahead of Pete and he basically rubs it in Pete's face that his show is better and the station really wants to buy it. They want him to come over, which obviously would replace Pete's show. So in the meeting now, we meet Lawson and that's Jeff Garland, who oh. so good at comedy. A lot of people would know him from being on the Goldbergs as the dad for a long time but he's done a ton of stuff. He came up in one of the comedy groups like Second City or one of those. And he's been around hilarious in this as well.
0: He's he's one of those uh, actors that he kind of always plays the same character, but it's because he's so good at it that you just want to see more of that character because he's so funny doing that, like that persona.
1: Well, you know, it's one of those things where I find, and this is just a movie miss. This is me. This is my little weird thing. I've been this way my whole life. I like to listen to people who have something with their mouth that causes them to speak slightly different, like a lisp or a little something if their lip moves a certain way and then they pronounce words a certain way that normal, not normal, uh, other people don't. Um, something a little different about the way they speak because of their mouth. And he's got that. I don't know what it is, but certain words, it sounds like his mouth is full of jelly beans or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like in the tone of his voice. It's just, with- he's got this, yeah. He's got this very distinctive voice that it makes him funny. Like everything he says is funny.
1: Yes. That was my point. Yes. Because of the way he speaks, sometimes he doesn't even have to be trying. It's just funny to me. Yeah. Like when thing I've yells. had my whole life.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like I, I love when he yells, like he's when he's yelling at them in the meeting and you just like you're cracking up because his yeah. voice and he's just like, oh, my Lord, this is great.
1: So he tells Pete and Fred their ratings are terrible and they do have to point out to him. We're not in a 7 p.m. time slot. You have us at 3 a.m. Of course, our ratings are terrible. And he's like, well, that's because your show's terrible. That's why you're at 3 a.m. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which, I mean, I, I do want to point out, logically speaking, 3 a.m., yeah, the ratings are not great, but I mean, you know, I grew up watching Adult Swim, and a lot of the really good stuff was on at 3 a.m.
1: Then he proceeds to show them a quick cut clip reel of not so good moments, <laughs> disturbing <laughs> moments from their shows. <laughs> it's hilarious because I was not expecting this. We get lions, and it's that classic lion shot we see in a lot of TV and movies of the lions getting frisky, the male mounting the female from behind. But what's funny is the Steve Zahn voiceover of somebody going, ooh, yeah, ooh, you like that? Or whatever he's saying. Lions are getting frisky. Cut.
0: <laughs> Cut me off a slice of that. I'm next in line.
1: Yeah, that's the funny part is what he's saying over it.
0: I always wondered if like some of that stuff was just ad lib. Did they just like tell him to like just say whatever pops in your head and we're going to like pick out the best shit and then of put it in the movie.
1: We get an alligator attack at like a, a alligator show like a man right in the water there with a crowd around him there's a person who gets set on fire at a peace rally why why they're filming a peace rally for a wildlife show i didn't understand <laughs> And then we get the titty dancing. (laughs) It's like five or six blonde women painted up in African face paint and garb dancing to music with their tits out. And he's like, oh, that's an authentic African tribe or whatever. Some bullshit he says.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's great. Because it's like it it, it has no place in the movie whatsoever. Just gratuitous tit shot. But they made it make sense with just like, yeah, that's what these guys would be filming.
1: So Lawson tells frickin' frack here. Unless something big happens, you're canceled in two weeks. Now, obviously, you know, for this movie, plot, whatever, who cares? But as we pick it apart, I'm trying to make sense of some stuff. And I'm like, canceled in two weeks. So they can still film for two more weeks. They can show two more weeks of episodes they've already filmed. Well, you know, what does this mean exactly? What does canceled in two weeks mean? But we don't get clarification on that. We just can assume they get to keep filming because they do. <laughs>
0: It's one of those movies that you are going to probably fry your brain if you try and add logic to it <laughs> because there's so many moments that you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Why is this happening?
1: Agreed. So later now, Pete gathers up Fred. Cooker, Myles, Junior, and Danny, and they have a brainstorm session. Ideas that are going to keep them on the air. <laughs> so basically, they decide they're going to use these last two weeks to come up with something so great that they have to. They get to keep their show. They have to stay on the air. Now, the funniest thing to me in this goofy ass scene is Junior. His eyelids. He has them paint. He says tattooed, but it's painted to where when his eyes are shut, it looks like his eyes are wide open. It It is the best version of this that I've ever seen on film. It's the creepiest, most realistic looking.
0: Yeah, because this is an old, old joke. I remember from The Simpsons and from like all sorts of comedies. And they, yeah, right, they nailed it perfectly because it looks real. When you first watch it, you're thinking he's actually sitting there with his eyes open. And then he opens it and they all freak out. I just start dying laughing because like, what the shit?
1: Yes, it's hilarious. And then after this goofy session, My finally suggests, how about we get a celebrity host? The room starts going off on distracted rants about Jack Nicholson and all these, you know, things they can do with celebrity hosts. And it's just, it's silly. Pete goes in another room to meet with Bill Calhoun, a longtime friend of his father's. And this is the amazing Mitchell himself, Joe Don Baker.
0: (laughs) It's amazing to me how Joe Don Baker went from a very mediocre career in his early days to like his later work is brilliant. Like it's a comedy, even like some drama roles he did. It's like he, he really turned around and became something cool.
1: Yeah. And he's really good in this. He's so funny.
0: He is hilarious in this. I love him.
1: So he shows Pete, Photos taken of Bigfoot in Ecuador and says he'll sell him the map he has how to get there for a thousand dollars or he's going to have to sell it to Sky Pearson because he needs that thousand dollars right away. So Pete's upset, obviously, because he doesn't have a thousand dollars and he's like, this could save my show. So he agrees to come up with the thousand dollars by the end of the week and he takes the photos and they they have a deal and he shows his team the photos and they get real excited. So again, making logic out of a non-logical movie, he's going to be canceled in two weeks, but he tells this guy, I'll have your money in a week. So we're eating a week with doing nothing. Just throwing that out there for later. <laughs>
0: Yeah, again, it's I didn't realize until now that how much your brain was probably hurting watching this movie.
1: Well, I did have to take an aspirin or two. So the team comes up with a plan to scrape together that $1,000. And then they're going to also they decide they're going to shoot a few shows on the way to ecuador to film bigfoot for the big reveal the big finale
0: now since you're the more logical thinker than i am uh which is my way of saying you're the smart one of the group did it bother you that it's like okay they're going to shoot a few shows on the way to find bigfoot how long are these shows because like every wild uh documentary i've ever seen the like the shortest one is maybe 30 minutes i want to say like I, I think it was like jack Jack Hanna had like maybe a 30 minute program back in the day. How the hell are you gonna film that many shows on the way to do this? Like you're not gonna film enough content to make a 30 minute show.
1: Aspirin, my brain was hurting cause I thought that too. I'm like, they're not, and they don't, do you, you watch them try to film a couple things and they aren't successful and then they don't They don't get enough content, no way.
0: No, it, it's, it, it feels like this is like maybe a three minute commercial in between the actual show yeah. or something.
1: So Myles says, "Sorry guys, but I can't make this trip to Ecuador," which makes sense because he looks like he's about 90 at this point. But he says his nephew Numnuts can do the camera work. <laughs> and obviously, you know, junior. I love that he calls him numb nuts. He must have picked something up hanging around his cameraman uncle, great uncle.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's got to have some kind of skill besides just smoking all the weed. But I love the numb nuts line because it's like, I, I literally like my childhood best friend growing up. His nickname is numb nuts. That's what we call him the entire time was numb nuts. Like in my phone, he's literally numb nuts.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. Well, then you probably laughed at that. Oh, yes. So we cut to Pete and Fred interviewing for the position of Anna- animal handler for their group. First up is Whitaker and that's Kevin Heffernan. And he says he's a mechanic up until recently, and he has zero animal handling experience, but he's willing to learn. (laughs) Oh, he's so sad and desperate and wants this job so bad. And it's like, bro, animal handler, you might want to know something.
0: I, I loved his character in this. I, I forgot he was in this movie. I always forget he's in this movie until his scenes come up. He's just freaking hilarious in this. I love him.
1: So then we get a run through a little montage of a few more people who all pass on the job. <laughs> in the interview, they're like, nope, not for me. So they end up going back and invite, after they tell Whitaker, you know, Kevin Heffernan, they're like, no, we don't want you. Nobody else wants the job. So they go back and offer him the job. And of course he takes it. <laughs>
0: That scene, what makes that whole scene work, is every time they cut back to to them, and it's always the them screaming next, "Debbie, Debbie!" Oh like my god, way-
1: when they're yelling for her!
0: I love that. Like that, I can watch that over and over again because the way that they're doing it is just cracking me up.
1: So outside now, after he takes the job, they decide to start loading up that RV and it's this big old strange wilderness is painted on the side and it's this big old rundown looking RV they're all going to load into for this big road trip. I can only assume that they're in California already because they talk about how they're going to drive down south, straight down through to South America. So... The guys meet their travel guide, Cheryl, and that's Ashley Scott. She seems honestly on top of it. She's on the ball. She's trying to explain to them the way she's mapped out their trip and they get distracted. You know, cookers not putting the bags on and other people, you know, Dante's fussing with the engine or the oil, the oil change.
0: Oh, yes. (laughs) And
1: he licks the dipstick. It's so gross.
0: Such an idiot. And what's what's even better is that I I literally knew a guy exactly like him growing
1: up. Oh my God, really? So- Pete immediately tells himself and 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 Fred, he's obviously going to hook up with Ashley, um, Cheryl on this trip. He's got it in the bag. She overhears this and confronts them and goes on this little rant to embarrass them about being gay or something. And it, I didn't write it down exactly, but it was pretty funny. And they completely disregard the rant. As soon as she's done and walks away and she's all proud of herself, they turn around and he's like, yeah, I'm totally going to bang her or whatever. <laughs> like they even care that she said that
0: <laughs> they're so stupid in this movie i just i can't get enough of the stupidity but I, I love the fact i don't remember when i first watched it if i knew it or not but like when you get introduced to her you instantly think okay this is like you said the character that's on the ball she's got her shit together she's the one that's going to keep the group together and then you immediately immediately think she's the one that's going to get corrupted like by the end of the movie she's going to be become part of the group and become a stoner and probably hook up with multiple guys in the group
1: so they take off in their RV and then we see that a bunch of luggage was left in the parking lot that always bothers me in any movie even a dumb one like this because my brain starts to go to anxiety mode of like what if I that happened to me what do you do if you don't have your luggage like on a long trip like this so I'm like did they go back and get it like <laughs> what happened there we get no closure on the luggage is what I'm saying
0: <laughs> I I, I... To me, the closure was this group of stupid idiots are not going back for anything. Like, even if like there was a million dollars left in that bag, they're not going back.
1: So we get uh, some road tripping montage. We get, you know, cooker. He's got a guitar and he's sitting in the back and he's playing sort of and singing this stupid song about his stepmom Phyllis and what a bitch she is. (laughs) It's not really funny, but what he's saying is funny to me. So I laugh
0: like i said i'm not a jonah hill fan but he barely ever makes me laugh and i think there's like one movie of his i've actually enjoyed his acting in but he he's great in this he really is like this character is perfect for him
1: so they stop when they see some sea lions and they decide they're gonna shoot no permit guerrilla filmmaking we're just gonna hop out and start shooting danny comes out of the rear behind the RV outside, dressed in a giant sea lion costume, the size of a football mascot. Like this costume is huge, right? And he says he's going to hop in and blend in with the sea lions and they can get good footage. Where was this costume? This costume is huge. Where did they have this?
0: (laughs) Maybe it was in the bags that they left behind. Maybe they went back, turned around, went back, got the bags and it was in the
1: bags. So we now see some footage of sea lions and Pete doing voiceover and it gets interrupted and they start cursing because we see and screaming, we see Danny in costume getting attacked by a shark. <laughs> so then we go outside at a Bay Area hospital. The gang is talking about Danny who's inside and someone spots a large bug near a tree. So they decide to shoot more footage for the show. And I
0: love how the brilliant idea is, okay, in the middle of the city, a common everyday average bug, and like, oh, we're going to film this and turn this into an episode of the show.
1: Of strange wilderness. <laughs> but this is an everyday bug in the city. Yes. So some stereo stereotypical looking essay homies <laughs> pull up in a really nice ride. And I laughed because the guy who's driving is Kevin Alejandro, who I recognized from Lucifer. And I was like... Holy shit. I've never seen him in anything else. And here he is playing this homeboy essay with the bandana and the tattoos and the whole thing. Oh my God. Because on Lucifer, he plays the straight laced good guy cop, basically. So it's super funny to see him in a role like this. So these Hispanic guys are confronting, you know, Pete and Fred are like, can you guys quit honking your horn? We're trying to film a show over here (laughs) of the bug. And of course they're dicks and they're like, no, (laughs) we're not. So they start to get into this tussle, they get out, they, they get out of the car and Fred intervenes and he's like, you don't want to do this. And for some reason, I forget why he ends up telling the guys, fine, we won't fight, but you need to do something about the scratch, to the hood of my car. And Fred and Pete lean over and they're like, "What scratch? And he's like, look closer. And then he hits something in his car and it pops up and smacks them both in the face and knocks them down uh, like a lift or something on the car.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like a lift front low rider, so they can kind of do the bouncing and stuff.
1: Yes, and just knocks them the fuck down. It's so funny.
0: The thing that the way he got, he was like trying to get him out of the fight. Because I wrote this down because uh, this again, like so much of this movie reminds me of my life and my friends. The way we hung out because it was literally like you don't want to get into a fight with this guy because you are bigger than him and you will kill him. You will kick his ass because he's a pussy. I've literally had friends tell me not to get into fights like this because I will get my ass kicked.
1: So you're the Pete in the scenario. I was always
0: I was typically always the Pete in the scenario.
1: <laughs> so they go inside and I, they ask to see a dentist and they're both missing front teeth. Their mouths are all jacked up, blood everywhere. And what's funny to me is they come out a couple hours later declaring, "Well, we're officially broke now," assuming they had to pay all their money to get their teeth fixed because their mouths look perfect again. They look perfectly fine. I get that it's a gag. But it goes on too long. They're in the dentist office. One guy's trying to hit on a girl. The other one's talking to the reception. Like the gag goes on too long that they're going to wait and get their teeth fixed. So the fact that they come out and everything's perfect, it's like, come on. (laughs) That's not how that works. That's not how any of this works.
0: No, it, it, it defies logic and the scene the only reason the scene worked for me is because i love the argument with the uh oh can we get you a magazine and then pete wants like a hustler and uh phil wants like a batman he's like arguing with them well batman's not a magazine it's a comic and it's just the stupidity of this discussion you, you just got your teeth knocked out and this is what you're discussing is like batman's not a comic; is a magazine not a comic and all it's like what the hell are you guys doing and then they turn around and with no teeth the amount of confidence that you're going to hook up with this woman in the office with blood coming out of your mouth and you're going to end up hitting that? No, stupidity.
1: Well, that's why the whole thing was annoying to me because they they let that bit go on and on and on and on. And then all of a sudden they're fine. It's like, "Mm." all right. So Junior, in the meantime, has gone in and stolen some nitrous gas from the dentist. How he did that, we don't know they decide they're going to sell it for a cool thousand dollars so that they have what they need to buy the map. My question was two questions, actually two things. Number one, that's not nearly enough money, a thousand dollars, because you have to fund your trip. You're totally broke now, you said. And B, who are they selling it to? (laughs) Do they have connections on the street? Like, where are they doing this?
0: See, my two questions, one, one, the same thing with the, how are they selling this? How do you sell nitrous? Who is your buyer? The other part was, why was there no security or cops coming after Junior? That was like, okay, there should have been more to that. But unfortunately, you're ruining me for movies. And now the logical side is starting to come out at times. And I'm thinking like, oh, just shut up, brain. Watch the movie.
1: Oh, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can smell the sarcasm from here.
1: So they cut to immediately being back on the road again. The nitrous is leaking and we get a weird Rob Zombie-esque montage of them all freaking out and partying and doing bizarre shit. I thought I was in Lords of Salem for like 90 seconds. What the fuck was that?
0: This is like one of the only scenes that bothered me in the entire movie because it made no sense. It was stupid. So I was like, what was the whole point of any of that happening. So, okay, you you introduce this plot line of, okay, well, we're going to sell the nitrous to get the $1,000. Okay. And then the immediate scene afterwards is, oh, nope, we're going to get high off the nitrous instead and have this wild hippie party. Like, what the fuck was going on here?
1: So here's where my timeline issue is going to come up again. They snap out of it later and realize that the nitrous is empty. So apparently... All that happened because it leaked and they were getting high and didn't realize it, I guess. So they pull up to Bill's place for the map and they announce themselves three days late. And he says, why are you three days late? So they had planned to meet him one week later. Okay. Then they show up three days late. They've got four days left until they're canceled at this point. If you're following Lawson's timeline that he gave them, right? Correct. Okay. Just throwing that out there. Because why would you make a point to say, we're going to meet you in a week. Now you're three days late. Why are they giving us all these timelines if it's not going to make sense? (laughs) Just don't say it is what I'm thinking.
0: That's another part that, I mean, to be honest with you, most of this, that section, I like once the seal attack happens, I'm like, okay, this is hilarious. I'm still loving this movie. Once the doctor's office happens up until uh, like a few scenes, like when, when they get to the cabin, I've, I've tuned out. I'm like on the phone messing around like, okay, yeah, we'll wait till the movie gets good again.
1: Okay. So Pete is upset to find out that Bill sold the map to Sky Pearson for that $1,000 because they were late and they didn't call to tell him. Now I will say that's on them. Bill's right. You didn't call. You didn't show. I need the money. What am I supposed to do? I don't think Pete has any business being mad right now.
0: Uh, He doesn't. But at the same time, To me, it feels like they're establishing the fact that Pete is completely, not just stupid, but irrationally angry and irritated by everything that happens in his life.
1: And surprisingly irresponsible for a grown man. I'm
0: not going to say surprisingly irresponsible because...
1: What, most grown men you know are irresponsible?
0: (laughs) Well, I live with one. I am one. (laughs) I can't harp on him too much for that one.
1: So Bill tells Pete he can zoom in on the security cam footage of when they were holding the map after he gave it to him when they were there at the house. They look and they see on the security cam footage of when Bill leaves to go hunting and this hot blonde with fake tits is banging Sky Pearson in the house. And we find out that this blonde is Bill's wife. I call bullshit. (laughs) no way that's his wife. Sorry.
0: I would call bullshit if it wasn't for the fact that she's banging somebody else. So it's like, yes, this is probably his wife. And this is why she's banging somebody else. She's not happy with the life that she's living
1: right now. And Harry Hamlin. I mean, okay, (laughs) I get it. So he gets pissed, prints out the map, And tells Pete he's going to set them up with a master tracker because he's pissed off at Sky and he wants them to find Bigfoot first now. What made me laugh about this was he's able to zoom in with the security cam footage and take a picture with the security cam clear enough that when they print out this map from the printer, it's crystal clear. Like it was downloaded to the computer as a perfect document, which A, would not happen. B, when he prints it out from the computer, it's this big gray and white printout with a big N compass on it. And it looks like something right out of fucking like Carmen Sandiego or some shit. It's a terrible looking map.
0: (laughs) It looks, yeah, it looks like a child drew it. Like at this point, when you look at the map, you're like, well, why doesn't he just draw it out?
1: So he says this master tracker, Gus Hayden is usually $1,000, but he can cut it in half for them and get his buddy, his buddy, to do it for 500 So Pete wanders off and he goes to pee by this tree. He gets attacked by a turkey protecting its nest. Now what happens next is absolutely ridiculous. Obviously they use it to forward the money plot. Because there's no way they have money for this trip. They don't have 500 for the tracker. They need money. But this was, couldn't they have come up with something else? I, I don't get it.
0: Yeah, th- to me, this, this is that scene that I just start watching. And I'm like, what the hell is this? It goes completely. I mean, this isn't even the kind of shit you typically see in a Adam Sandler movie. It doesn't usually get this bad. I'm always kind of surprised that they went this route with it. It's hilarious. I die laughing every time but it is just, it feels kind of out of place.
1: Yes. So this giant turkey has latched itself on, basically onto his penis. His penis is down the turkey's throat and he's running around screaming with this turkey attached to him. Apparently the turkey has no gag reflex because he is just on there, hanging on, no problem. They go to a doctor and he's sitting in the chair, turkey's still attached, big ass turkey. Everybody's in the room. They, they basically have this, it's for this alone, I think, is why they did this scene. They have this hot nurse. They all call her hot nurse. And she's stroking the turkey's neck to get him to relax his jaw and release Pete's penis, right? Yes. So as she's stroking the neck, everyone's getting turned on, including Pete. And he's like, the turkey's just going to clamp down harder. It's getting stuck in his throat. And it's, it, it's so asinine because the turkey, there's no, he wouldn't be hanging on this long. It's ridiculous. He would have just bitten it fucking off, I think, at this point.
0: (laughs) The the logic in this one does bother me. And this this isn't even like your logic seeping into my brain at this point. The logic in this one is just terrible for a couple of reasons. One, I'm sorry, Steve Zahn's dick isn't that big. (laughs) Two, when they're stroking the turkey, it's like, okay, well, the gag reflex. Well, if that's the problem, it's just like, you know, maybe it's semi-hard and they can't get it out. Finish, okay? If that's the way you're going finish, and then you can take it, you can get the turkey off. Uh, On top of the fact of like, I'm pretty sure the turkey's going to gag at that point and want this thing out of its mouth.
1: Yeah, it's so bizarre. Also, in real life, if the turkey had gotten pissed and tried to just attack him to protect the young, why wouldn't he want to make sure he stays back to protect his young? Why would he have stayed attached to this man, taking it far away from his young? It doesn't make any sense at all. It's just so silly. So they finally, two guys come running in and they realize the turkey is tagged and it's their turkey that's been missing. And they offer a $5,000 reward for the turkey because they just decide the doctor's like, we'll just cut its head off. And it's like, <laughs> What? And they're like, no, we can't. We need this turkey alive. We'll give you $5,000. So sure enough, everything's fine. They get the $5,000. They leave. Then they make it to the Mexican border in the RV. They get pulled aside. And I guess Pete is pulled in a separate room and strip searched at minimum, because the way he's talking, it's like he was violated worse than the turkey had done.
0: (laughs) It feels like Pete kind of had, he was getting a lot of action in this movie.
1: (laughs) Right? That was one of his conditions Steve's on he's like I have to be the Michael Douglas of this film I have to think everybody wants to fuck me at all moments.
0: (laughs) Not realizing that they were gonna like okay we'll give you that but it's going to be a turkey and it's going to be some Mexican (laughs) border guards.
1: Yeah, not Cheryl. So, they have to hop a plane now to take them to Ecuador because the people at the border have completely taken their RV apart, disassembled it, looking for drugs, I guess. I don't know. It's ridiculous. So, they piss away a whole bunch of their money to fly. Then they take taxis and they meet up with Dick, the guy who's going to take them to Gus the Tracker. This is Blake Clark, and he's another Adam Sandler staple. I recognize him mostly as the mumbling Cajun coach from The Waterboy. I
0: I recognize him the most from the dad from, uh, not like the main dad, but from Boy Meets World. He was, uh, I think it was Sean's dad.
1: He was also Drew Barrymore's dad in 51st Dates. Yes. I believe, yeah, he's... right?
0: He's been in, I think, damn near every Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. Uh, he was the coach in Grown Ups. Yep. He's, he's been in everything. I love him. He's He's great in the movies. He's just, he's like a character, one of those character actors that like every time he makes an appearance, you just know that his being in the movie is going to make the movie more enjoyable.
1: Well, except for right when we meet him, in my opinion, we are subjected to two straight minutes of Dick jokes because ah. his name is Dick. Like really, you've never met anybody named Dick in your life.
0: Yeah, but it's like I don't mind the dick jokes. This this is what the movie's about. My problem was that they weren't good dick jokes. They <laughs> oh, so were you're
1: okay with dick jokes as long as they're really good.
0: Yeah, I mean like <laughs> I can handle dick if it's good dick. I want good dick. I don't want bad dick.
1: I'm there with you actually. <laughs> so as they drive off now, we get voiceover of Pete talking about various animals that they see in the jungle and we even get footage of monkeys and he says Monkeys make up over eighty percent of the world's monkey population. (laughs) His dumb statistics are hysterical to me.
0: I just, I like, I almost feel like this movie would have been ten times better if it just would have been the eighty minutes of that eighty minutes of the show
1: with his voiceover.
0: Yeah, like that, I would have just died laughing. I probably wouldn't have been able to make it through the entire movie. I would have just literally died laughing.
1: To a lion. The monkey's balls are called a sack lunch. (laughs) How does that get on the air? I mean, I guess because it's 3 a.m.
0: How does that show not get good writing? Who is not watching that show for that stupid, those those jokes and that like, you're going to enjoy that. It doesn't matter 3 a.m. or what. The ratings are going to be massive for that because people are going to tune in and watch it.
1: Yep. And then we get more footage of lions eating gazelles, giraffes fighting. We get a dead zebra being eaten by some birds. And then Dick pulls over and tells them all they are about three clicks away. So they're going to walk the rest of the way. And off they go. So my brain, just out of curiosity, I've heard the military term clicks in a gazillion movies in my life. And I've never bothered to look it up to see what a click is. (laughs) So I looked it up. Did you know that a click in military, they they refer to that as a, it's a kilometer, which is 0. 0.6 miles for those of us in the U.S. who refuse to use the metric system. So so basically three clicks is a little less than two miles that they're going to have to huck their stuff through the jungle here.
0: That's a hell of a walk.
1: Right. That's why I looked it up. I was like, how far do they have to actually walk?
0: And as far as the metric system goes, um, I'm sorry, I would convert to the metric system if it made more sense. <laughs> You know, if the metric system kind of meets me halfway of like, you know, make more sense, use more even numbers, and I will convert to you. Until then, fuck off.
1: But I would argue right there, one kilometer equals 0.6 miles. So we're the one who doesn't have the even number in that equation. Not but even half the, a mile. It's point 0.6.
0: <laughs> but it's the point 0.6. It's the point 0.6 is what bothers me. It's like just, just you know, a, a click should be a mile. Make the click a full a full mile. Don't do the point 0.6. Just do full, like, mile.
1: Okay, I don't think I'm going to win this one. So let's move on. So they arrive at Gus's place and are greeted by him. And this is Robert Patrick, the T-1000 himself. And boy, did I forget he was in this. I was so delighted when he pops up. And this man has had an interesting career. He's always a delight in everything. And he plays such a wide variety of characters.
0: He feels like he's an underrated actor, like he could do really good work, but he just doesn't get like the right projects or or what, because yeah, he's really great. I remember even when he was on X-Files for a little bit, and he did a good job on that.
1: Yeah, but haters didn't want the Mulder Scully thing to dissipate, and so they didn't embrace him, but he was really good. I agree.
0: Yeah, so it's he's a a great actor. He deserves much more credit. Um, This is not his finest point.
1: No. So he greets them by saying, I hear we're going to have a little fun. And his setup is this area, camping looking area, right by the water in this jungle. So he clearly is like a, the weird jungle military survivalist kind of guy that's stereotyped in a lot of movies. So we cut to that night around a campfire and Gus is telling them a tale from Vietnam, how he brutally killed someone. And then we see he's got Fred in a headlock as he's been talking. And they're like, can you let him go now? <laughs> he's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you can tell he's just crazy military guy.
0: Uh, he play- I mean, he played it great. He did. I-, I just, you felt bad for her for being in this movie though.
1: <laughs> then they all start sharing their scar stories and Cheryl doesn't have one, but she has a birthmark. <laughs> so then Gus interjects, his scar story from 10 years ago, he was in the Amazon and a tribe of pygmies cut his ball sack open. And so he sewed himself shut. And then we see it. You don't think we're going to see it.
0: (laughs) I can't even say it's not that we don't think we're going to see it. It's we're all collectively hoping we're not going to see it. Well,
1: yeah, you would think. That you're gonna get through this entire movie without seeing a sideways dick, but you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. Here's his sideways penis with his sewed up ball sack. It's so gross.
0: <laughs> it's disgusting. I and mean, then it's like, I feel bad afterwards, not just for laughing, but just being like, how the hell does he pee? Just does it shoot out of the side and you just gotta like aim it? Like, oh, that's just disturbing to even think about. <laughs>
1: So everyone now is disturbed and excuses themselves for the night. We cut to the next morning and the guys see that Gus and Cheryl are both nowhere to be found, along with all of their stuff and apparently Dick's truck, all gone. Dick says, that's fine. I'll just lead you out through the jungle. So grab whatever we have left. Apparently, just one sleeping bag was all they had left. (laughs) So off they go. Night starts to fall. It starts raining out of nowhere, Cheryl comes running up and says she's been following them ever since they abandoned her at the campsite. (laughs) She says, I've got the map. And she pulls it out of her pocket and shows them they they're like, Oh my god, we thought you ran off with Gus. And she's like, No. So then Dick says, No problem. We've got the map. I'll take you to find Bigfoot. And they're all like, Great. Let's go.
0: I mean like that whole the whole scene is kinda of like okay it's you know it's it's furthering the plot it makes sense. What makes the whole the whole scene worth watchable to me is the whole like, well, how did you get the map? It's like, oh, I had to take one for the team and them all saying, like, oh I got a map. Oh, I got a map, I got a bunch of maps. I've got an atlas, I've got a map store, they're all like they're all like doing whatever they can to get her to sleep with them.
1: Yeah, it doesn't yeah, doesn't she say I had to take one for the team? She didn't say she had to have sex with them necessarily.
0: There's no way she could have had sex with them. There's like it would be impossible for that man <laughs> to get an erection and have sex.
1: (laughs) So we cut to them all wading through some waist deep water and they all get to shore and turn around and Dick is still standing in the water. And when this happened, I immediately knew there was a gag coming up that something was going to happen to him why would he still be standing there
0: yeah like like there's certain shots in the movie where you can tell when the gag is coming if you watch enough comedies like the setup is okay you know what's coming i was surprised by what's coming cuz i was expecting something else
1: oh okay so dick says to them he knows a secret way through the jungle and he can get them there quicker and then he suddenly gets attacked by something we can't see under the water because the water starts to bubble up and he gets pulled under the water. So later that night at the campfire, everybody's eating fish for dinner, piranha. So it turns out these are the piranha that attacked Dick that are in that river. So a couple of questions. Yes. <laughs> Number one, how did they all make it through fine? And not get attacked if piranha were all right there
0: well if you saw the bubbles coming like in the scene you see bubbles coming towards so
1: they weren't right there right they, away
0: no they weren't there. so that's why i was expecting something else when i see that i'm like oh okay it's going to be a crocodile or something that's going to pop up and kill them
1: and right? then b how did they catch all these piranha to be able to cook them and eat them how did they catch them <laughs> they'd eat through a net they didn't have any gear would they catch them with their bare hands
0: uh, I can assume spears, but yeah, like they didn't explain that at all. They didn't uh, have
1: any spears.
0: Well, I mean, there's trees you can make a spear.
1: So they all decide that these are the exact piranha that must've eaten Dick. And so therefore, if they're eating these piranha, they're in, in effect, eating Dick because they ate him and you know, so they freak out and start puking. It's so stupid. <laughs> The whole thing is so, so stupid.
0: It is, but I love it because I've always thought that at the same time as like whatever, like I've seen that in a couple of movies where they kill something that kills somebody and then they might be eating it. It's like, well, you're eating what just ate somebody else. So you're essentially eating the person.
1: So they go around a bend and they stumble on Sky Pearson's group, massacred. And they find Sky still alive, cut in half his lower half is separated from his upper half and i love that harry hamlin they're, they're like what happened he's all pygmies <laughs> we were attacked by pygmies
0: <laughs> i love the part when he's uh uh when they're poking the legs are like can you feel this can you feel this?
1: i like that cooker is rummaging through all the stuff here in the camp and he grabs a guitar and just starts singing like, what the hell, dude?
0: This, this is like the, the, the worst rescue group in the history of all time. Like these people <laughs> suck at rescuing.
1: So they loot all the equipment, take whatever they can and supplies and the map and off they go after Sky dies. Pete has a mini freakout, which to me was one of the hilarious points in the movie. Steve Zahn and physical comedy. He needs to do more of it. He
0: really does. He is so good at it. I mean, his character is what helps make this movie worth watchable. I mean, it's, it's, if you would have got any other actor worth,
1: worth watching.
0: Yes, worth watching. We'll say <laughs> worth watchable because that's, that's a Davism now. <laughs> oh, okay. We've introduced it to the world. It's now worth watchable. But no, it's like, it, it's his performance is what really makes this movie because he's, he's so good at it. Uh, I, I want to say this is like one of the first movies I ever saw with him in it. And I just fell in love with, like, he's so funny.
1: Yeah. He, he stomps around like a psycho and makes himself fall down and like just, it's so funny to me. Then he calms down when Cheryl points out, that the map was actually printed upside down because of the way they took the image off the security camera, which is silly to me, but. But
0: it's it's brilliant in a stupid way, because like you said, there's so much of the stuff that they introduce like early in the movie that like later on doesn't make sense. Like this is the one thing that they actually introduced that made sense. That You're like, oh, finally, movie, you're paying attention to yourself. <laughs>
1: So they realize they've been going in the wrong direction because the map was backwards. And so instead of turning left, they need to turn right. So they do, and they find Bigfoot's cave. They carefully approach, assuming Bigfoot is in there. They think they can hear him. They start filming Pete in front of the cave, talking about, ooh, we're at Sasquatch's lair, blah, blah, blah. Then he appears, Bigfoot comes out of the cave behind, just standing there. And he kind of goes, huh? Huh? <laughs> when he sees everybody, suddenly everybody has machine guns and they're in a line and they unload on poor Bigfoot and fill him full of lead, killing him right there on the spot.
0: (laughs) Uh, This is the worst looking Bigfoot I have ever seen in a movie. It is so awful.
1: It is. That's that to me is why it's funny because it's a terrible costume on purpose. I think
0: it's got to be on purpose.
1: So we cut to a campfire where they're all trying to justify killing Bigfoot by saying, yeah, yeah, we did it in self-defense. He was clearly going to attack us.
0: <laughs> and, and I could have sworn it was either during the shooting scene or I was during that when they're all talking. I could have swore I heard Cocker call Bigfoot a fucking cock tease. C- cooker? Cooker. <laughs>
1: cooker the Cocker?
0: Well, uh, it's it's either like, I mean, like at this point he is a Cocker. so
1: <laughs> I think he does say he was a cocktease or something. Yeah, it's just I, a I, random...
0: It was like such like out of out of nowhere because I had to go back and like, did I hear that right? Like, did he, <laughs> like, what the hell did he just say?
1: So Pete finally says this is not the best way to end our show. So again, the timeline popped up in my head. They were three days late when they started out from Bill's place. Then they have this adventure through the jungle and stumble across sky. The piranhas, two overnights at least because one at Gus's, once in the rain. Now they find Bigfoot. Their two weeks is up. Their, their, their two weeks is up by now, right? It's gotta be.
0: I think their two weeks was up by the time they got to the cabin, to be honest with you. It, this was like a month long trip.
1: Yeah. So then Cooker says he has an idea. We cut to the big city. Everybody's outside the TV station now, including Danny in a wheelchair with his new wooden leg.
0: <laughs> I, I I don't, I, I have nothing except for just, I, all I can say is that I was disappointed that Danny did not go with them because every scene he was in, he stole it. He was freaking hilarious. It's just you you didn't realize how much you missed him until he came back into the movie.
1: Agreed. So Pete goes in, shows a tape of their show to Lawson titled The Search for Bigfoot. In this tape, they go in the cave. They say they found Bigfoot, who clearly suffered from depression (laughs) from being alone. (laughs) And- hung himself out of loneliness. Now the part that's funny, because suicide's not funny. The part that's funny is that he's hanging there riddled full of bullet holes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what
0: I love is the fact that it's like, like you could tell that Bigfoot was shot to death and he's hanging there with a note on his chest. How did Bigfoot write a note and tape it (laughs) on his chest?
1: And he's full of bullet holes. It's so funny. So of course, Lawson hates it. And I like that his line to to Pete, to Steve Zahn is, did a, did you have a safe drop on your head? <laughs> <laughs> Which is the equivalent of, you know, where you dropped on your head as a child. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I like that he's not fooled. Like, he totally sees these guys are imbeciles.
0: You kind of wonder, like, how did he even let the show go as long as it did? Because he's like, it's it had to have been like, okay, your father was a friend of mine, so I'll let it go. But you're an idiot.
1: So the gang gets upset outside Lawson's office there and a fight amongst them breaks out and the police get called. Then we fade back to Pete on the couch, still on the phone saying, and that's the whole ridiculous story. We don't know who he's talking to, who he's told this tale to, because he's like, OK, I'll, thanks for listening. I'll see you later. And he hangs up. You're like, who the fuck was he talking to that, that to didn't me, know this story already?
0: Yeah, it's like that to me was a letdown. Like that was a buildup for a joke that they didn't follow through. Like it could have been like a pizza guy or, you know, telemarketer or something like there, there was a joke set up there that they did not deliver on. And I was I was let down by that.
1: Oh, agreed. I was waiting for the payoff of who is he telling this to that wouldn't already know it. Yeah. So he adds that he hasn't seen any of them before he hangs up in over a year. And then there's a knock at the door. So it's Milas. He lets himself in and he gives Pete a pep talk telling him he has tenacity and a heart unlike his father's.
0: And I, I love what the Pete yelling, nobody's home. And with miles coming be like, the, you defeat the purpose of, of like telling that, you know, that there's nobody home when you say nobody's home, like that defeats the whole purpose.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I like that he tells them too. don't be so hard on yourself. Mm, I would argue he does need to be a little hard on himself because he's kind of a moron. Yes. <laughs> he needs to hold himself to better standards. <laughs> so Pete and miles come up with the idea for a show about sharks. But I the would way say Shark Week beat you to it.
0: <laughs> yes, by like a long run. But the way that they get the idea is hilarious. With the whole the fish being in the water bong, <laughs> it's like he's smoking the, and like he's like making a little joke. I'm like, oh my God, this little fish is gonna feel like he's a shark. To me, another setup for a joke that I felt did not pay off. Of all the weird shit that happened in this movie, you did not think to maybe have some kind of let's go into the fish's head and it's tripping and it sees itself as a shark or something. There was a missed opportunity there.
1: Oh, agreed. I felt this movie had a lot of those, actually. Oh, yeah. So we cut to a fast forward now where Fred is working at Hot Dog Hell. A fast food restaurant. (laughs) Welcome to hot dog hell. (laughs) Yeah, you sound thrilled to be there. So Pete and the whole gang are at the drive-through, and they apologize to Fred. And this is weird that it's over a loudspeaker.
0: Yeah, that I've never ever heard. I've been through many fast food restaurants. I mean, uh, anyone who's who knows me or who's seen me obviously knows I've been to many fast food restaurants. (laughs) And there's never a moment where you can hear the drive-through,
1: yeah, it may be back then, some of them hadn't converted, so they apologize to Fred and tell th- tell Fred that Lawson said if they can catch a shark attack on film, he'd put them back on the air. I just went, "Huh? what?"
0: It's a stupid concept, a stupid idea. I forgot about it just over the fact that I love the way it's pissing off the customers. Like all the customers are getting, getting like so annoyed with this conversation the way they're like, man, fucking like they're dropping F-bombs here and there, all this stuff and the customers are getting so annoyed. I want to quit a job like that. You want to climb
1: out the drive through window and be like, I quit.
0: <laughs> I, w- I want to climb out the drive through window. I want to like on my way out, be able to just piss off as many customers as possible before I leave.
1: He climbs into that car and off they go. He's like, I'm in.
0: To me, those fast food, the windows don't look like they're big enough for a human being to actually climb through.
1: Well, some of them are.
0: Okay. Some of them are. Okay. Because the ones Um, that I've been to, it looks like you would probably get stuck. Or maybe I'm just thinking I would get stuck.
1: No, some of the old, a lot of the buildings had had older, bigger windows. Um, I had a friend who worked at one. Unfortunately, they were robbed because late at night, only the drive-thru was open and somebody actually climbed through and and went in and robbed them. It was very scary and weird for them. Uh, Um, uh, Okay. So on that downer note... (laughs) Let's get back to cut to who knows how many days later Pete and Fred barge into Lawson's office and tell him they have got the shark attack on film. We got it. So then we get to see a clip, luckily, but not luckily, because I was all excited for it. And then it was kind of stupid.
0: Yeah, this, this was another letdown.
1: So it was a voiceover of him saying the asshole of the sea is <laughs> the shark Um, footage of a shark, just shark swimming. And there's one attacking a stick. And I like the voiceover. It's like a shark attacking Nicole Richie.
0: <laughs> that, that that was good. That was, but it's it's the part after that. This is the scene that I just die laughing all the time.
1: I'm with you. There's a shot of a dark ocean, a shark coming at the screen. His mouth is open in a way that he's basically all gums and a few teeth. This shark, I don't know what shark this is. All gums like that.
0: It's either a sandbar or a sand tiger, I believe.
1: Okay. So this went on and it's so hysterical because it goes on longer than you think it's going to go. They do this 10, 12 times. I thought two or three and it kept fucking going. The shark is coming at the screen and the voiceover is this dumb laugh. (laughs) The. Because the shark. Just has his mouth hanging open with all gums, <laughs> and it keeps going <laughs> ten times in a row.
0: It does not stop, and it's like the build up to a point because like the shark comes up, and it's like the voiceover work is your typical like okay, he's making his jokes, and then the like immediate abrupt stop of it, he's like he's like what the fuck is that, <laughs> and then starts to go, look at his teeth, and it goes. Oh, hoo, hoo, hoo
1: yes <laughs> 10 times in a row minimum
0: i i literally cannot watch this scene without tears coming out of my eyes
1: i'm just I, dying honest to god did the same thing i laughed hysterically
0: and, and it's it's a scene that it does not get old to me for some reason like the way he delivers that laugh yes every time i watch it i die laughing i just cannot stop
1: because it works perfectly with the gummy shark it's yeah. so good and what i didn't understand was all the cursing that's happening too how is this show on the air even at 3 a.m it's full
0: well, that and then like i said like they're showing earlier when he's showing the clips and tits 3 a.m like I, I i mean unless it's 3 a.m on like cinemax or showtime you're not seeing tits on television yeah like the world that this movie is set in is a complete opposite of of the real world because this show is not on the air.
1: So then they cut to everyone at the pier near where the sea lions were and they're all drinking rotten milk and eating raw eggs and shit. And I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? And then they're baiting over the, they're they're on the pier up high and they're baiting the shark by hanging like a stake on a fishing reel or something. So the shark will jump up out of the water. Now they're assuming it's the same shark that attacked Danny. How, how can you be sure? So they all yell for Danny and he's leaning over. And as soon as the shark jumps up and opens his mouth to, to get the steak, everyone pukes into the shark's mouth. I, and the shark is terrible CGI first off. Yeah. But also to me that that's not funny. That's comedy that I don't understand.
0: To me, I kind of feel like this was a movie that started off with they had a plan, they wrote it, had a great idea, let's go through this, and at the end of it, I feel like almost like they gave up, like, okay, we're done, we're tired of filming this movie, we'll just throw whatever stupid idea we can onto camera, and that's how we're going to end it, because it's a terrible ending for this movie.
1: Agreed. And then Danny decides he's going to flip off the shark one more time, and of course, we all know the shark's going to jump back up and bite his hand off. Not funny to me, but you know, whatever.
0: (laughs) It's, it's, it feels like a tacked on ending. It really does. Cause I think even like at at the end, they kind of like, it makes it come off like, oh, we're done.
1: Yes, exactly what I was going to say. The actual ending shot of this movie is a blooper shot because after that, the video stops and they're sitting there with Lawson and they say, Pete's like, people love shark attacks and plus Pearson's dead. And so Lawson says, yeah, he's dead. So you're back on the air. And everybody starts laughing and then cut. And then we get words on the screen. So like the last shot of the movie is actually a, a blooper shot because they all start laughing.
0: I kind of felt like you should have just done that, like cut out the shark part and just ended with that and the blooper because it like the whole end of the movie just kind of comes to a, an abrupt halt like, ah. It didn't work for some reason. I, I don't know. Like up until like the shark scene with where I'm dying laughing. And then after that, it just slowly comes down to like, uh, okay, movie's over.
1: So then the words on the screen say that they got their show back on the air. They were getting good ratings because they dominated the 3 a.m. time slot. <laughs> Basket weaving would dominate the 3 a.m. time slot. Like who's watching TV at 3 a.m.? If you got one option. So then another card comes up that says six months later. They head out on a crazy trip in search of the Loch Ness Monster. Now, I don't know who fun- who funded that. <laughs> the station's not paying for that if you're a 3 a.m. show.
0: No, I would love to see that, though.
1: <laughs> and then the last one reads, they remain friends to this day. The end. Music continues. Roll credits. And that is Strange Wilderness. Okay.
0: <laughs> kind of feel dumber even covering the movie <laughs>
1: Are you kind of going, maybe it's not as funny as I remember?
0: Uh, well, to be honest, the, the, the watch, because I was going to rewatch it again because I was disappointed in the amount of notes that I took for this movie. That's not like what I normally do. I couldn't even bring myself to go back and rewatch it a second time. Ooh. I, I love it for the stupidity, like the certain scenes, but I kind of like, I could probably just find clips of those scenes on YouTube and watch those.
1: All right, let's jump to three questions. Okay. Question one. Did you want that sequel? Did you want the search for the Loch Ness Monster?
0: Uh, Yes. I, like you, am a big cryptid person. And I love the Loch Ness Monster. You're Bigfoot. I'm Loch Ness Monster. So I would love to see it. But my wanting that has lessened over the years. (laughs) When I was younger and I watched this movie and I loved it. Yes, I would have killed to see that. Now I'm kind of like, eh, okay, if it happens, maybe.
1: We're, we're 15 years removed, more actually, because they filmed it way prior to release. So I, yeah, at this point, I don't want it. But at the time, that might've been fun because Loch Ness Monster, second on my list to Bigfoot. I fucking love it. I love all cryptid, crazy stuff, Mothman, all the crazy stories. Um, I'm eating it all up with a spoon. So yes, would have been fun. Disappointed that Bigfoot didn't get his due. Like he's not really in this, even though he's supposed to be the central driving plot point of <laughs> what they're doing.
0: With that Bigfoot costume, I'm glad we did not get to see more Bigfoot because I, I would have just, I probably would have turned the movie off seeing him like, I watch bad movies on Tubi all the time. And this was bad even for that.
1: <laughs> Agreed. Although um, I'm there's a found footage Bigfoot movie called Exists, E-X-I-S-T-S. Oh my, it's the best found footage, Bigfoot movie, and just Bigfoot movie in general that I've ever seen. And I've seen them all. The bad ones on Tubi, you name it. You've got to look up Exists. It is so fucking good. It's a good horror movie. Hmm. Okay, I'll check to check it out. But my point being, with things like that in existence, um, movies like that that are so good at depicting a Bigfoot story, I'm kind of glad that they went super ridiculous with this and didn't even try it kind of works in the favor of the comedy of the movie
0: yeah especially because like going back and thinking about it again like thinking the costume he did even have like a goofy look on his face like buck teeth it looked like it was supposed to be stupid so i can see that
1: all right so that leads me nicely into question two Two years earlier in 2006, and now knowing that Strange Wilderness was actually filmed in 2005, so he must have filmed this around the same time, the Sasquatch Gang with Justin Long is a, I thought this was that movie when you said watch Strange Wilderness and I forgot about this movie. I thought I was going to be watching The Sasquatch Gang, which was released in 2006, starring Justin Long, where some kids find footprints and they involve investigators and they go on the hunt for Bigfoot. And it's fucking stupid and silly like this movie. If I remember correctly, it's much funnier in Strange Wilderness. Have you heard of it? Is That's my question. Have you heard of it or seen it? Because I thought that's what this movie was.
0: It sounds familiar. Uh, I don't know for sure. Like when you say it, I'm picturing something in my head, but I could be picturing a different movie with Justin Long. Unfortunately, Justin Long is one of those actors where a few of his performances kind of blend in to the same movie. He, he has
1: an amazing mullet in Sasquatch Gang. <laughs> If I remember,
0: okay, I'm not sure. i I, I want to check it out now for sure though.
1: okay, I was just curious, and uh, also letting everybody out there know great comedy Bigfoot movie, Sasquatch gang, great horror Bigfoot movie exists, which also kind of is a found footage one, a good one. <laughs>
0: Well, see, that's I'm a sucker for found footage movies, even the bad ones. I like found footage. I don't know why. I think because it makes me feel like I'm a part of the experience. Um, but yeah, Ooh, there's a lot. Of, it. Yeah, like the really crappy ones. So I always look forward to a good one. So I'll have to check that one out.
1: Yes. Watch it and report back. All right. Question three. Who did Cheryl eventually hook up with? I think she went
0: back for Gus.
1: <laughs> okay
0: there was nobody in that group that she would have been with. They were all just complete idiots and not worth it. So I think she would have went back for God. I think she would have been with Dick if Dick hadn't been eaten. So <laughs> he I, was
1: old enough to be her father.
0: Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm a full proponent of age gap relationships.
1: All right. Well, I think that maybe on the trip, maybe after the trip, I don't know. They're getting drunk and high one night. She takes Junior's virginity. <laughs> Hooks up with him and then ends up dating Pete probably for a while. I don't think any of it lasts.
0: Uh, I doubt it. And to be honest with you, uh, I think uh, Junior's virginity was taken a long time ago by somebody he doesn't even remember.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. You're giving him some credit.
0: Well, I mean, like I've hung out with enough stoners in my time to know that that group of people pretty much all hook up with each other. Right. So like somebody in his little, his previous group of stoners took his virginity. I don't know (laughs) who, I don't know what, and yes, I'm saying what, but something took his virginity.
1: All right, everyone. If you're interested in checking out Strange Wilderness for yourself or getting yourself a rewatch, it is currently pay streaming on Amazon Prime. Paramount Plus, and YouTube. Or you can go ahead and pay the six bucks and just buy it on DVD like I did if you like this kind of humor.
0: Or you can do what I did and I picked it up at a thrift store for a dollar.
1: There you go. You know, people are sleeping on the local thrift store. If you're a physical media collector, that is a gold mine sometimes. You can get real lucky.
0: I've picked up so much stuff. I just got Casablanca.
1: Us too. We got one at a thrift store, like a nice collector's edition that looked like it'd been opened one time.
0: Yes. Uh, I found a, uh, like the first six seasons of family guy in a stewy zippy, like, you know, where you put the DVDs in. Yeah. Got it for a buck.
1: <laughs> wow. Now that's better prices than the goodwill here because ours is way overpriced, but still still good deals for physical media. I agree
0: so listeners please go thrift stores <laughs> get your physical media because streaming sucks
1: and also if you find something really good that we could cover on the show let us know because we'll try and figure it out and, and search it out <laughs> for sure
0: oh yeah I'm always and I'm always looking for new suggestions so it's like I, I'm down to watch stuff I have never seen before I want to discover new movies so anyone who's got a suggestion that wants us to cover anything on here I'm down for it
1: all right on that note, I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you for bringing this back into my life, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: going to say that was the most insincere <laughs> thank you I've ever heard in my entire life.
1: All right. On that note, we want to thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: if you're my feel this, then fuck you. If you're my new brothers and sisters, Dakota and Breckenridge, then fuck you too. Listen up, world. Hey, Dad, why'd you marry that whore? Don't tell me to turn my music down. Because there's tons of different opinions on what the volume of music that should be played in your house is. Plus, we all know Phyllis has super fucking sensitive hearing. I don't think it's right for her to tell me to turn off my fucking music. Hey, listeners. Movie Miss here saying we know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts. So we want to thank you so much for listening to ours. Please make sure to find us on our socials and join us. Be part of our bad movie conversations. We want to chat with you. We're on Facebook with an official page as well as a Let's Talk Turkeys discussion group where you can talk with other like-minded individuals who like bad movies. We're on Instagram at Let's Talk Turkeys. Our Twitter handle is at Gobble Podcast. That's G-O-B-B-L-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And of course, you can always email us direct. We would love to get suggestions from you of movies you would like us to cover. If you want to be a guest on the show, we would love that. So directly, that's Let's Talk Turkey's, all one word, at yahoo.com. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.